Welcome to the Embrace Church podcast. We exist as a church to relentlessly reach the next person for Jesus. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you. Let's jump in. Well, hey, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well today. Um, I'm doing pretty good myself. I actually got told earlier today that I looked fly, uh, which was something that I've never been told before, but I like that. Um, So I'm doing pretty good. Uh, If we've not met before, my name is Travis. I get to be one of our pastors here. I'm thrilled to get to share uh, with you all today. Uh, So maybe something kind of interesting about me and my family. So growing up, uh, we loved riding motorcycles. Uh, We rode motorcycles and dirt bikes and three-wheelers and four-wheelers. Essentially, uh, if it had a motor on it, we wanted to be on it. Uh, And we had a blast with that growing up. We grew up on the north side of Sioux Falls um, on gravel roads, and we just had a ton of fun. And actually, still to this day, uh, I ride a motorcycle. And you might be thinking, looking at me, uh, by motorcycle, you must mean electric bicycle. Um, And I don't. And you're like, certainly moped, right? Not motorcycle. But I do, in fact, mean uh, motorcycle. But anyways, uh, so when I was in middle school, I had a good friend of mine, and he rode motocross motorcycles. And if you don't know what those are, uh, think like dirt tracks and big jumps. Maybe you know Travis Pastrana. He was well known for doing like backflips, things like that. Anyways, I did not ride motocross motorcycles, but again, I had a good friend who did. And one time, this friend, he invited me to come with him to this motocross track. And at first I said, ah, oh, no, this doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't have any equipment for that. I don't really even have a motocross bike. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. You can just ride your four-wheeler there. And my four-wheeler is not made to go there. But I was 14. My brain wasn't fully developed yet. So I was just like, all right, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, so we find out a little bit later what ha- could happen. Um, so I am at this track, and I'm following him on his motocross bike, and I'm just trying to keep up on my four-wheeler. Again, wearing no equipment whatsoever. Uh, and my front right tire of my four-wheeler, it hits a little jump, and it goes up into the air. And then my front left tire also hits a little jump, and that goes up in the air as well. And then things start to happen in slow motion uh, after that. Maybe you've experienced something like this before. It's the craziest thing in the world. Uh, but in slow motion, I remember saying, Oh, no. As the four-wheel I was riding, I began to flip, and me as well, began to flip and roll along this track. And the first roll is the only thing that happened in slow motion. Everything else happened really fast after that. Uh, And before I knew it, I was laying on my back on this track, and I looked over and I saw my four-wheeler upside down next to me. And then uh, I looked down uh, and saw a huge gash in my jeans, uh, starting from like just below my knee, going north of there. And for the second time that day, I said in slow motion, oh, no. Uh, Because uh, from where the handlebars of my four-wheeler kind of dragged themselves uh, from just below my knee north, I had a huge, bloody gash. Um, Now, thankfully, um, I escaped uh, without much major damage. But still, to this day, I am left with a very small but very prominent scar. And uh, that's what happens to us, right? Sometimes uh, an event takes place in our life, and after that event takes place, we are different. Okay? And this happens physically, right? We, 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 something happens to us physically, and we get a scar, or our finger looks funny, or we walk with a limp, whatever it is. Uh, but this also happens to us emotionally. An event takes place in our life, and after that event, emotionally, we are different, and instead of being left with a physical wound like a scar, uh, we are left with an emotional wound. 
And that's what we've been talking about in this message series that we're in. The series that we're in is called uh, Nothing Good. And the series is all about how to process our emotional wounds, how to address them, and maybe even hopefully how to start to heal from them. Now, I want to be really forthcoming with all of you as we get started today. Uh, This is not my favorite topic in the world because I don't like talking about my feelings. Uh, We kind of joke throughout this series that many of us would rather have a colonoscopy than talk about our feelings. Um, I tried to schedule an appointment on a Sunday, so I didn't have to do this. They do not take appointments on Sundays. Uh, So here we are. Um, And since we are here, um, we might as well lean into this topic because here's the thing about our feelings. Uh, Just because we don't talk about them doesn't mean we don't have anything. Um, And the thing about our wounds is that just because we pretend they're not there doesn't mean that they are, in fact, not there. And why we would ever be talking about this at church is because God cares about your wounds, because he cares about you. And God wants you to have a full, whole life filled with all these things like peace and joy and the ability to give and receive love. And unfortunately, sometimes if our wounds are not dealt with, it's hard for us to do those important things that God wants for us. So we're going to lean in today, um, and we're going to talk about the wounds of abandonment and rejection. Oh, boy. Um, So as I kind of studied these wounds of abandonment and rejection this week, um, I started to find a lot of overlap between the two, uh, but they are also distinct wounds. So as we kind of discuss them, you might identify with one wound over the other. And to help us kind of understand them, here are a couple of definitions for us. So abandonment first. Uh, Abandonment, it can be the act of leaving permanently or for a long time, especially when someone should not do so. Abandonment can also be the act of giving something up to withdraw one's support or help from, especially in spite of duty, allegiance, or responsibility. And rejection, on the other hand, it can be the refusal to show someone the love or kindness that they need or expect, or it can be the feeling that someone does not love or want you. As we've been talking about through this series, and as I've even mentioned a little bit today, we oftentimes experience these wounds as a part of a pattern. Again, an event often takes place in our life, and out of that event, we experience a wound. And when we talk about the wounds of abandonment and rejection, sometimes those events can be really simple and really basic, or they can be really big and really complicated. So an example of a simple event that can cause us a wound like this would be something as simple as being dropped off at a summer camp when we didn't want to be dropped off, when we didn't want to go. It can be something as common as being passed over for a job that we deserve. It can be something as common as being rejected by someone when you ask them to go on a date. From those simple, common events, we can experience a wound. Or it can be less simple and much more complicated events, like a divorce or like a loved one passing away. It could be uh, you grew up in an emotionally cold environment. No one expressed their feelings, so you didn't express your feelings either. It could be a rejection that took place in your life. Someone withheld love or affection from you and they made you feel like they didn't care about you. Again, it can be these really big things, really complicated things, or it can be something really small. But either way, we could end up with this wound of abandonment or rejection. 
And now to help us to kind of continue to think through and process through this, uh, I want to share uh, some of my experience uh, with you. Uh, but before I do, a couple years ago, I participated in something called the Polar Plunge, uh, where you jump into like a freezing cold lake. You've probably heard of these things before. Uh, I hated that experience, but I would rather do that than what I'm about to do with all of you. I just want to remind you of how, where I'm at with all of this. Um, so um, when I was two years old, uh, my parents got divorced. Um, now, I don't remember a lot about that experience, but what I do remember is a few years later, when I was in early elementary school, my mom got remarried. Um, and the man that she got remarried to, he had three sons, and these three boys were cool in a way that I cannot even explain to you, okay? They were awesome. They were always listening to this crazy 90s music. They were listening to Green Day and Metallica and this guy named Montel Jordan. Maybe you know Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Nobody's singing. I'm so surprised by that. Uh, so, so they listened to these cool bands. They were athletes. They were sports fans. Um, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. A lot of times people ask me, how in the world would you ever make such a poor decision like that? And when I feel like being totally honest with them, I tell them, well, actually, uh, one of my brothers was a Cowboys fan, and he is to blame for all the mess that I'm in uh, right now. Uh, go Cowboys, by the way, today. If you think about it, cheer for the Cowboys today. Um, they cheered in the last service. That was not the right time. Later today, we're all going to cheer for the Cowboys. We've just decided it. Um, so anyways, what happens to us, right? Um, what happened to me anyway is that not only uh, did they teach me all these really simple kind of fun things, uh, but they also taught me about myself. They helped me to come alive in some ways. They were very outgoing, very funny. I really wanted to identify uh, with those different things. I wanted to be near them all the time. I wanted to be like them all the time. And the craziest thing about that uh, was that even though they were five years older than me, uh, they wanted to be with me too. Um, but... Uh, a few years later, my mom and their dad got a divorce. And uh, these three boys, who were my brothers, um, in just a few short weeks, uh, completely vanished from my life. Uh, one day, we were spending hours and hours playing, hanging out, eating together, whatever it was, and the next uh, moment, they were gone. And I was left. And so to go back uh, to this uh, pattern that we've been talking about, uh, from this event that I experienced of losing contact with my stepbrothers, I developed this wound of abandonment and rejection. Um, and the craziest thing about this experience is that even while it was happening, I knew what was going on, okay? I wasn't confused uh, by anything that happened. I knew that they had to leave. I knew that it made sense for them to leave. Uh, but I was just so sad about it. Like, I just loved them so much, and I didn't want them to be gone. I remember for probably the next year, maybe even two years after they left, I would have these dreams multiple times a week where they were just back in my life. I'd just be doing these simple things, hanging out, eating, playing sports together, whatever it was. And I remember I would wake up from these dreams, and I would just cry because I was so sad that they were no longer in my life. And again, a wound had been formed, and what happens uh, when wounds get formed, then, then we start to develop some beliefs about ourselves, about God, and here are the beliefs uh, that I formed out of this. One of the beliefs that I formed was that people can't be trusted, that they'll always eventually leave you. In some of my harder times, I started to believe that there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't special enough for them to come back and see me. It was one of the hardest times 
in my whole life, again, these beliefs that I started to form were so hard. So what was it for you? From the event that you experienced, what beliefs have you formed? Maybe you were the person who grew up in that emotionally cold environment, and because nobody expressed their feelings, you started a belief, you formed a belief that your feelings don't matter. Maybe you were rejected in some way, and you started to believe that you weren't lovable, that you weren't worthy to be loved, that no one was ever going to care about you. Maybe at some point in your life, an important person left. Maybe it was through a divorce, maybe it was through a death, maybe it was through them moving, a decision that they made in some way, and you started to form these beliefs that you will always be alone. Now again, I don't like talking about any of this, and this is so hard uh, to think about and lean into, uh, but it's also so good uh, particularly when we start to name some of these beliefs that we have, uh, because what happens is, is when we lean into and name some of these beliefs, we start to find out what they really are. While they seem true to us and real to us, they're actually lies. They're actually lies that we've started to believe because we were told them in some of our darkest, most vulnerable moments. And because, because we often want to keep these hard things inside of us and never bring them out to anybody else, well, then they just sit in our soul. And they take root inside of us. And no one else is able to speak truth and light into these super dark experiences. And what can happen is, going back to our pattern, is out of these beliefs, we can start to form these inner vows is what we call them, these promises that we make to ourselves that end up being like really self-protectionary. They really insulate and protect us from these beliefs. So like me, for example, the inner vow that I made after my experience was I will never let anyone get close enough to hurt me again. See what happens? We, we, we experience these wounds and then we have a belief that people can't be trusted or that we're not good enough, so then we make a promise to ourselves. We say, I'll never let anyone get close enough to hurt me again. And I feel so foolish even saying this because it makes no sense when it's brought out into the light, right? Like, of course people can be trusted in my life. I'm surrounded by so many people that love and care about me. Of course I am good enough, right? I'm special and awesome. Just ask me. But that's the worst part about these inner vows, is that when we keep them inside of us, no one can actually speak into them. No one can actually speak truth into them. They stay in the dark. They stay isolated. So again, what is it for you? What inner vows have you made as a result of the beliefs that you have? Maybe you vowed to be totally self-reliant. Okay, I'll never, I'll never need anything from anyone. Maybe you've promised to never be rejected again. So you've told yourself, I will do anything to be accepted. Or the opposite, or the opposite, maybe you told yourself, I'm never going to care enough to be rejected again. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to build walls so that no one can ever hurt me. And in my opinion, this is the worst part about 
all of this, these promises that we make, they actually keep us from the things that we need most. These inner vows that we make, they keep us from the things that we need most. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. When we promise to keep people at a distance so they can't hurt us, we keep people from giving us the one thing that we need most, love. When we promise ourselves that we're going to be totally self-reliant, that we're never going to rely on anyone, we withhold anyone the opportunity to give us what we actually need, someone to be in our corner, somebody to care for us, somebody to be with us. It's this tragic, vicious circle that's straight from the pit of hell, in my opinion, because what happens is not only do we not allow other people that love us to speak into our circumstance, we actually ignore God completely in this process as well. We make these self-reliant vows, completely reliant on us, completely disregarding our heavenly Father that loves us so deeply. Because we do it on our own, in the dark, we're left isolated, lonely, in pain, abandoned, and rejected. So what do we do about this? I just want to call it out. Some of you might be thinking, I'm not going to do anything about this because I am fine. I don't want to talk about any of this because I'm good, okay? Like, why are you trying to drag up all these things, all these emotions, trying to get something going on inside of me? I'm okay. Can I just be okay? And if you are okay, like, that's totally good. Um, but the reason why I bring this up is because that's what I always said. I always said, I'm okay. I'm okay. Let's be done. Let's be done. Let's wrap this up. I'm okay. But I wasn't okay. So again, what do we do about it? Like I mentioned, one of the most powerful things that we can do about it is talk about it, is to think deeply about our experiences and process them with somebody that we trust. Maybe a counselor, maybe a good friend, Bring these, these, these dark feelings, these dark events out into the light so that someone can speak into them. The other thing that we can do is we can look at how Jesus responded when he experienced abandonment and rejection. A good friend of Jesus, a guy named Matthew, recounts Jesus' uh, experience on the cross at his crucifixion. I want to share with you what Matthew said. Uh, Matthew said, above Jesus' head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. So Jesus is hanging on the cross under this sign. And then Matthew recounts what people who walked by Jesus had to say. Things that they said to Jesus, things they said about Jesus. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants, or if, 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 if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. So again, there Jesus is, hanging on this cross, beaten, isolated, completely abandoned from his closest followers, if not most, or if not all of them, most of them, but most importantly, seemingly abandoned and rejected by God himself. As Jesus, the son of the creator of the universe, the creator of everything around us, the stars, moons, mountains, sea, 
the creator of storms and the one who can calm them, his son hanging on this cross completely alone, and then a bunch of random nobodies get the opportunity to call him out on his abandonment and rejection. I don't want to belabor this point, but what I'm saying is, is if we've experienced these wounds of abandonment and rejection, know that we have a Savior that's experienced those exact same things. Here's what Matthew goes on to say. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now, Jesus had experienced hard things in his life to this point, but nothing like this. Nothing like the isolation and loneliness that he had to have felt hanging on that cross. And so he cries out, God, why have you abandoned me? Maybe you've said that very thing to God before. Why, God, why have you left me here? We've been um, using this book called Be Healed uh, to help us kind of think through uh, this message series. And the author of this book had a really important comment about Jesus' experience on the cross. I want to share it with you. He said, I'm amazed at Jesus' confidence in the Father. Though he felt abandoned by him, he continued to turn towards him. He did not turn his back on the Father or try to take care of himself like I often do. He did not internalize the lie that he was alone or unheard. Through all of his suffering, Jesus continued trusting his Father, believing he remained with him at every moment, even while the searing pain of abandonment overwhelmed all the faculties of his soul. No one cries out unless he believes someone is listening. No one cries out unless he believes someone is listening. See, Jesus, he seemed to be alone. He seemed to be abandoned. He seemed to be completely rejected, but he never was. As his Father in heaven was close by him the entire time, and Jesus knew it, and Jesus leaned in to him. And what I want every single one of us to leave here with is a certainty that you are not alone. You are not alone. You have a Father in heaven that has never left you. You have a God that has never, would never, and will never abandon you. And you have a Savior on the cross that has experienced everything that you could ever experience, and yet he leaned in to God And we can follow Jesus in this way. We can borrow some of Jesus' faith in God. We can use it to inspire us to go to God with some of these wounds that we have. He can be trusted with them. One more time, okay? God has never, would never, will never abandon you. He never will. Now, this is hard still. And I've probably made too clear throughout today uh, just how much I don't like talking about any of this, but, but bringing these things to Jesus, processing through the, these feelings has been so good for me. Because here's what happens when we close ourselves off from our feelings. We can start to not know who we are anymore because we're closing off part of ourself. 
And through this process, I've gotten to know myself again. And more importantly, I've got to know who God sees me as. Because while I didn't know who I was, God reminded me through this process, you, you are loved. You are not left. You are not abandoned. You are accepted. And you are seen and you are loved by me. And the same thing is true for you. You are not rejected. You're accepted. You're not just loved. You're beloved. You're loved with intensity and action. You're loved so much that somebody would go and die for you, would take everything that was maybe owed to you, and he took it on himself because he loved you so much. You are desired. You are cared for. You are seen. You are loved. You are not abandoned. That is what is true. I want to close today by giving us an opportunity to trust God. To bring our wounds to God and trust him to care for us through it. I want to give an opportunity to say to God, Father, I felt abandoned or rejected when, but I choose to trust you. I promise if you lean into this, God, he will meet you there. God, I felt abandoned or rejected when, but I choose to trust you. Would you guys pray with me? Father God, uh, we come to you today. Would you meet us where we're at? Would your Holy Spirit come and would, they, would your Holy Spirit even hold us in these hard moments? Father, we've felt abandonment or rejection when all of these things happen, but God, we trust you. We thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. We thank you for his example. We thank you for your power to heal our hearts and make us whole, God. So would you do it? Would you start the healing process for us? Would you bring truth into these dark places, Lord? Bring wholeness in places that we need to be made whole. Lord, we trust you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks so much for spending the time with us today. You can find out more about Embrace at IamEmbrace.com. 